If you've not been with us um, for the past couple weeks, we've been looking at how to break the spirit of mammon. Um, we've talked about how tithing breaks the spirit of mammon. We've talked about how intimately walking with the Lord breaks the spirit of mammon. And here in these verses, Jesus mentions mammon three times. You're not going to find it mentioned more than you see it right here. You'll see it in verses 9, 11, and 13. So the last few says you can serve God in mammon. So we know that it's talking about more than just money um, because money isn't something that you can serve. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's inanimate. It's, it's, it's amoral. You, you can't serve money. But there is a spirit that is on money that you can serve. And as we've mentioned in the past two weeks, the spirit of mammon is a spirit that says, I'll give you everything that you want so that you wouldn't even need God. I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll, I'll give you what, whatever you want. That's why every advertisement pitches it as if, if you buy this and you purchase this, you'll be happier than ever before. You'll be sexier than you ever were before. If you eat this chocolate and smoke, they even make cigarettes look sexy. If you, if you smoke these cigarettes and you eat this and you drive this and you live in this, um, mammon will, spirit of mammon will, will give you what you want so that you won't need God so that you'll begin to look to it. That's why you're serving it. You're serving a spirit that promises to give you. Let me tell you something. Your possessions, they're not going to save your soul. All of those things that you're amassing and acquiring, that's not going to save your soul. But it's amazing how we serve it. It's amazing how we feel safe behind all of these things that we could acquire and everything that money could buy. So we're talking about a spiritual entity that can be served. And so let's dig a little bit deeper into what the spirit of mammon is. And I've mentioned some of these things, but I want to reiterate it for those that are watching or those that haven't been with us. Both Pastor Jimmy Evans, Pastor Robert Morris say that a spirit of mammon promises that which only God can give, promises identity, security, peace, joy. Only God can give identity, peace, and joy. And so it is a spirit, a demonic spirit attached to money, and that's why it's called unrighteous here. It's a demonic spirit attached to money. It's called unrighteous mammon. And the spirit of mammon manipulates, and we're going to see this today, it manipulates by fear. It manipulates by fear. In fact, really, this is going to be a message that could probably be more on, on fear than it could even be a spirit of mammon. And you're going to see how the two are tied very, very closely together. So go to Revelation chapter 13 with me. Revelation 13. Look at 16. I think I'm going to read 16 through 18. Yeah. It says, He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. Now, all kinds of debate as to what this, this mark is. Um, we know that um, in ancient history that uh, you would get branded with uh, a branding um, uh, depicting the God that you worshipped. Um, they, they believed that this mark could be anything from a chip put in your body to a tattoo that could be scanned like a barcode. 
Uh, can you imagine having some kind of barcode on your, on your hand or, or on your, your forehead? Um, a lot of speculation as to what the, the mark would be. Keep reading. It says in that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast, the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. All kinds of speculation as to 666. We know seven is the number of perfection. 666 falls just shy of that. And so notice how important that mark is. And I want to challenge you right now, and we can, we can all speculate on how all of this is going to go down and what kind of order, and I think it's a little bit presumptuous to think that you know exactly how it's going to go down, and I know that a lot of well-known ministers, man, they've got timelines, and, and even Dr. Jack Hayford says, I don't know if I'd be drawn out any timelines. So we really don't know. And we want to know because there's a little bit of safety if we knew when Jesus was going to come back and when we were going to be out of here. And let's say we don't know. And let's say all of this goes down and we're still here. And all of a sudden a one world ruler comes into play and he's got all the answers. He's so slick and he's so smooth and there's even a supernatural element to this one world ruler he's unlike any we've ever known. And he sets in place a system. And I'm sure it will first be offered and very smoothly initiated, but then it will be demanded. It will be demanded that you worship him and to show that you're going to worship him, you will receive this brand, you'll receive this mark, you'll receive this chip, and you have to now because without it, you won't be able to buy, sell, or eat. Think about it. And those of you that have um, invited Jesus in your heart and you're Christians, you know exactly, if you remain on the earth, what's going down. You know what's going down. My pastor, Pastor Benson, years ago, preached a message. And at one point in his message, he turned the lights off in the sanctuary and he said, I am now speaking to those of you that remain on the earth. It was one of the most sobering messages. He said, I'm speaking to you who remain on the earth. Get every copy of the Bible that you can. Give them only to those that you know who are believers and stash some where only you'll be able to find them. He literally was giving instructions in the last days because no one really, really knows exactly how it's all going to go down and what the timeline would be. And I've not preached a message on that because I didn't want to presume that I would know. But know this much, that when that mark is issued, everyone has to take it and everyone has to worship the beast, the source. And without it, you won't be able to buy, sell, or eat. Talk about learning how to trust God in a crash course. That's exactly what's going to go down. So knowing that, can you now see how fear is going to come into play in the last days? Tremendously so. Fear is going to be enormous in the last days. Luke 21, 26, in the New King James, which is what I'm reading out of this morning, says, men's hearts will fail them from fear in the last days. Men's hearts will fail them 
for fear in the last days. Did you know, according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, affecting 40 million adults age 18 or older, or 18.1% of the population every year. Don't stop there. According to the World Health Organization, one in 13 suffer from anxiety globally. And the World Health Organization reports that anxiety disorders are the most common mental disorders worldwide. Worldwide. It's already begun. Fear has already begun. And it's crippling. It's crippling. And all of a sudden, this one world ruler is going to pop into place and he's going to seem to calm everybody's fears. But there's a catch. you got to worship me. And you've got to take this mark, because without this mark, you won't be able to buy, sell, or eat. We have to take the mark. We'll starve to death. We'll... And in that moment, you're going to have to decide whether or not you really, really trust God. Because it's easy pickings right now here in fat and sassy America to believe in Jesus. Easy, easy, easy stuff right now. No nation has it better than America. Man, you can believe God and you can assemble and you can post stuff on the web and you can put signs out in front and the police aren't going to come and arrest you because you're a believer. But when it all hits the fan, it's going to be a totally different day and it's going to be a totally different age. And these verses that we began with are really, really going to come into play more than ever. But let's look at some verses I want to encourage you. I want to sober you and encourage you all at the same time if it's possible. Go to Philippians 4. Philippians 4. And then we're going to go back to our starting text and we're going to begin to peel back maybe some verses that seem awful strange and odd and we're going to lend some insight to them. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And my God shall supply all your need. You have to believe that now so that you can believe that when. You've got to believe it now. You've got to believe that God is able to supply all your need. You've, you've got to believe that. And I believe Tithing, and, and, and it astounds me, the people that get hung up on it and people that have been raised church. I believe we have a moment in time to honor God with our tithe because think about it. There's going to come a time when we're going to believe that God is going to provide for us. And I don't know about you, but I need as much spiritual seed in the ground as I can possibly get because I'm going to be believing for a harvest should Jesus tarry and should, us not, and should we not all get pulled out in the time that we thought we would and we have to face some of this? Man, I want to believe. I want to believe that Jesus is going to come and yank us all out of here. But it wasn't until the, the 1900s that two separate events were even preached. Jesus' return and a rapture of the saints. It was all one event. Jesus returns, the saints are, it wasn't two events, the, the saints are, are, are taken up and then all of a sudden Jesus comes back. It was one event. And for years and years and years and years, that's all that was preached. Study it for yourselves. The rapture is a recent, is a recent teaching. 
comparatively, you know, speaking. It's a recent teaching. And man, when full gospel churches got a hold of the rapture, man, it was, I'll fly away, oh glory. I mean, it was, it, it was on. And how happy the church was that that teaching came forward because they believed that, you know, God was just going to snatch them where for years and years and years it was one event. Jesus returns, the saints meet him in the air. It wasn't, it wasn't two events. And you got all these movies that came out and then you got the Left Behind series and, and managers threw kind of gas on the fire. I don't know. I know that Jesus is coming. I know that the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who remain will meet him in the air. I know that. Well, man, I'm not going to get up here and preach to you some pie-in-the-sky stuff that says, hey, 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 don't worry. We'll all be yanked out of there before any of that stuff. I can't promise you that. No one really should be able to promise you that. No matter how nice their graphs and timelines look, they should not be able to promise you that. And so, to the best of my ability, I'm preaching to you the truth as I understand it. David Wilkerson, in fact, God rest his soul, would preach that he would preach a, a post-trib that, you know, we're going to go through it all and then, believing that we'll walk through the fire and not be burned and through the water we won't drown. I mean, Wilkerson preached post what a tough message, and he did it right from Times Square. What an amazing, amazing man of God. All I know is this, that no matter what happens to the world, the economy, I'm believing and standing on the promises of God, not a lying spirit attached to money that wants me living in fear. As if it holds the key for me, as if, it, as if it's the deciding factor, as if as long as I've got money or as long as I've got stuff, I've got an identity. No, your identity is in Jesus Christ and a doggone thing you can buy no, no matter how much money you've got in your account. Jesus is your source, will always be your source, whether you, whether you realize it now or realize it then. You're going to realize it one day for certain. Let me show you how this will come to play. Go back to Luke 16 and let's look at some stuff. Elbow your neighbor and say it's about to get real. Luke 16 I'm going to read um, 9 through 11. I mean, can you see, based on what we've already read, that the, the, the spirit of mammon is the spirit of the Antichrist? It's the spirit of the Antichrist. The Antichrist wants you living in fear, wants you scared, want you uncertain about your future. If Christians are anything, they are a people of hope. In fact, Christians should be dealers in hope, I've heard it said, because it's Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. So the, the spirit of the living God in us is a guarantee that Jesus is returning again. It's hope. If Christians should have anything, it's hope, not hopelessness, but hope. He's coming. I know he's coming. I don't know when, but I know that he's coming. And I am going to live in such a way that says that I know that he's coming. I'm not going to be like the five foolish virgins that didn't have any oil in their lamps. I'm going to be like the five wise that were ready. Oil in the lamp, wicks trimmed, ready for Jesus to come back. And at the midnight cry, he came. Look at Luke 16, because these are 
Really powerful verses if you look at them. Look at 9 again. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you in an everlasting home. How unusual a scripture. It's talking about unrighteous mammon, and then it's talking about us being received into an everlasting home. Versions may vary on this a little bit, but if you look up the word fail, it can mean when you die. It can mean when you die. So in essence, what this scripture is saying is it's saying that you should use your money wisely and influence people for Jesus so that when you die, they are up there in heaven welcoming you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving in that offering. Thank you so much for supporting that missionary. Thank you so much for supporting that evangelist that was able to stay in the ministry because he did an event in this city, in this country, and I came to know Jesus. Thank you so much. Use your money wisely, saints. Use it wisely. And do not let money influence you. You use money. You influence it. And you break the spirit of mammon to see to it that your money goes to furthering the kingdom of God because furthering the kingdom of God is the only kingdom that's eternal and that's lasting. And it is where you want to invest. It's where you want to invest. And this isn't some get-rich-quick thing. This is riches in heaven we're talking about here. So that the people that you've influenced, when you pass and you go on to glory, they will receive you. Can you imagine in heaven people that you've never known, never met? Thank you so much for giving. Man, thank you for throwing money in that offering. Because of your giving, my life's changed because of your giving. We have a moment in human history right now for those of us that remain on the earth to use our money in such a way that we can influence souls. We can influence souls. Man, do you honestly think that when you're gonna, you're gonna pass away and you're gonna go on to glory that you're gonna wish that you would have withheld more money? And I'm not saying, you know, not to be wise with your finances. The Bible said a good man leaves an inheritance for his children. I get it. I'm not telling you not to. I think it's wisdom. But man, I'm not amassing, you know, hordes because that makes me feel good and that makes me feel safe. Do you honestly think that that job is yours? Or do you know that God gave it to you? Do you think that that money is yours? I believe it's a test of your heart. Let's keep reading. I know this is not necessarily a, a sermon on love. That's coming in February. Um, it says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? Can I say this? Money in God's eyes, being faithful with it, is being faithful in that which is least. Did you catch that? He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? Money, being faithful to God with our money is, is like bare minimum. It's being faithful with the least. Money is not a big deal to God. It's a big deal to us. That's why so much 
of our life seem to revolve around it. But with God, that's not true riches. People's lives are true riches, and God is the only one that can take money and convert it into souls. God is the only one that can do that. And yet, this is probably a sticking point for many. Pastor John, I don't have a problem, you know, giving a 20 when the plate goes by. I don't have a problem. Let me just say this. Until you understand honoring God with your finances, you don't even understand ministry. And God is not going to entrust true riches into your life. I know people that have struggled, desiring to be in full-time ministry, but because of this very area, they'll never see it. Because if you have not been faithful in that which is least in God's eyes, you're not going to be trusted with much. You're not going to be trusted with true riches. And true riches are people. They're you. They're me. They're souls. That's true riches to God. Money's not facing eternity. People are. People are. And if we struggle with our finances... Man, how could God possibly use us for saints? There'll always be a price tag on it. There'll always be a price tag on it. And man, do not defile ministry by putting a price tag on it. You, 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 you can't. How you handle money is how you'll handle people. And I'm just telling you right now, according to Scripture, money is least in God's eyes. Small stuff in God's eyes, big in ours. And if we're not careful and that spirit of mammon's all over it, we're thinking that that's our security blanket. Is it really? What else do you need to buy to make you feel good? What else do you need to purchase to make you feel good? Your future's not money, it's in the Messiah. Who's gonna come? And he's going to return. And we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us that bears witness to that and is a guarantee, the scripture says. It is hope in us. Hope in us. Hope in us. You make friends with unrighteous mammon. You use it wisely. You spend it wisely. So that all of the lives that you've influenced will one day receive you in an eternal home. They'll, they'll literally be waiting to talk to you. I mean, heaven, heaven, how amazing, how unbelievably amazing it is gonna be. Think of all of the people that we're reading about that we'll meet. Think of all of the souls that we influence for all eternity that you are gonna meet there and they're gonna thank you. Can you imagine people in third world countries that are gonna thank you because you gave? Because our church understands this, we give next week, we're going to talk about where the money of our church goes and how we believe in this and how we practice this. Because I just don't believe that you and I should tithe. I believe that this church should tithe, and it does. And we're going to tell you where the money of this church goes because we believe in tithing. We believe in tithing. See, the devil and the, his antichrist want you worrying about and fearing for your soul, yet God wants you winning souls.